0: I'm a parent. And as a parent, you know what my number one job is to make sure I know what's going on in my kids' lives, especially when they're still living under my roof. So I get it. I do. I get where some good faith parents are coming from when they express concerns about books that might be available to their kids in school. But what happens when the American culture war starts to creep into the classroom? The suppression of thought, you know, just feels sort of scary. For many of us, Dr. Thomas Conway has been in education his whole career, started out as a high school social studies teacher, and now is the chairperson and associate professor of teacher education at Cabrini University. He thinks the stakes are high. A democracy is only as good
1: as an educated citizenship and educated on all issues, on all sides. And by trying to silence various sides, that's a problem in a democracy.
0: I'm Matt Leon, and today on KYW News Radio in depth, how much scrutiny should we be giving to books in schools and what is talked about in the classroom? And where do you draw the line between good intent and ulterior motives? A lot of people, I think, have seen a lot of these headlines and think that this is a new phenomenon, but this is very American, isn't it? I feel like this is not something new that we're experiencing these days, no?
1: You are 100% correct there, Matt. One of the things in education preparation is to teach a course, for example, called Foundations of Education that looks at the whole history from the one room schoolhouse all the way to the present. And oftentimes students are like, oh, chomping at the bit to learn how, teach me how to teach, right? And that course typically seems very staid, very boring, and, you know, no live real examples of, you know, down and out fights that boards of education have had back in the past. Well, lo and behold, that's not the case anymore. A lot of things that we have discussed or talked about that impact the role of a classroom teacher definitely are living examples right at the moment. And you mentioned at the start, you know, the board meetings, especially in, in our local area, you know, not let alone across the country, that had been very contentious around certain topics.
0: That being said, are we at a point where it seems to be at a, a high boil? You know, I mean, there's kind of an ebb and flow through history. And do you feel like we are seeing things on multiple fronts where this has become much more prevalent than maybe a baseline?
1: I think we have those moments throughout American history. And one of my other backgrounds is a social studies teacher. I taught high school social studies, civics, AP government. So this is something that's very familiar to me, the ebbs and flow of history, right, as well. And so, you know, unfortunately, we have some actors on the national stage on all various political ideologies that love to pour gasoline on the fire, so to speak. If we think back to the Nixon timeframe, you know, the silent majority or phrases of that nature. So this is nothing new in American politics. It's new for us because we're living through it, right? Whereas other generations, we can't ask, well, how did you feel during the McCarthy hearings or something of that nature? Now, are there people around? Of course, but, you know, a bulk of society that's currently active in politics weren't necessarily sitting there in the uh, gallery watching Senator McCarthy in the 1950s with the Red Scare. And so, unfortunately, this is part of the downside, right, of our freedoms that are guaranteed by our Constitution, freedom of the press, freedom of religion, freedom to gather, you know, all those hallmarks of American civics that we teach about and that are enshrined in the amendments to the Constitution. You know, that's the reality, right? You you take the good and you also have to except sometimes the bad at moments, but the suppression of thought, you know, just feels, you know, sort of scary on one level for many of us, but there are ways that, you know, as a society, we just need to take a look at that and, and okay, this one group says that all these ideas are bad, but if you start suppressing that, then the flip could happen for that group as well, you know? And so, you know, that's one of the things that being, excellent for us as a country right the fact that we can explore ideas explore concepts without the fear of retribution potentially by a king or a monarch hence why you know our you know the founders of america or of those various colonies came over here in various parts in various ways
0: when you kind of dig into stuff it seems to me there are two buckets there are good faith concerns about maybe certain books And then it seems like there's a lot of people acting in bad faith that are asking for books to be banned that they've never read. And they, you know, a lot of this stuff comes across as grassroots and it's not. There's some sketchy organization that's pumping money into this so that 15 different confrontations come up at 15 different places in the country and it's made to look like it's, oh, look, there's a really an uprising. Well, well, no, not really. But for the average person, it's difficult to kind of sort through what's legitimate and what's kind of created, no?
1: And it is because the reality for many, you know, individuals you know, this concept that somehow there's some secret curriculum that's been taught in our schools over the decades it's just not true you know if we look at a book that gets highlighted recently uh tony morrison's the blue aside is there parts that, you know, discuss rape that is on a couple pages? Yes. And it's very pivotal for the character development and why this coming of age, this coming of oneself and, and identifying with oneself is so important and pivotal. But I also can see, like on the other hand, like you said, in good faith, uh, a person, a parent, you know, is concerned, right? What's happening here? And this is where, you know, I highly, highly, highly encourage anyone listening that is a parent of a child. And School, get involved. Go to parent conferences. Get involved in your children's back to school nights. Now, fortunately, the trend that happens for many parents is they go to all these things and then by middle school high school years they tend to stop going to those meetings or those events and as a result you know they just go by hearsay of what might be happening you know i think of all the great books i read you know when i was a student back in middle school and high school and then when i reread them as an adult i was like oh, wow, that really went over my head, you know, because we often think that somehow that exposure to young adolescent literature, which is all about finding oneself. Who am I? The hallmarks of puberty in that time frame that we all go through as human beings. And these books, these novels are there as a, as a way that that child can potentially maybe see themselves or see their friends or see other people in society, which I don't think is neither good nor bad. It's, it's, it's just reality. I just challenge people to really step back before they get into a politically charged moment with people on either end of a political spectrum and really take a look for themselves. What is this book about?
0: Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, it seems to me as a parent and all, most of the time, the fire doesn't match up with the smoke, if that makes sense.
1: I guess where we are in this country is people forget we were a nation. Yes. Yes but the constitution doesn't mention education. So as a result, because of that 10th amendment, it kicks it back to the states. And then in the states, many states, it's a local right, especially here in Pennsylvania, with the multitudes of school districts across the Commonwealth, it's a local prerogative. You know, Yes, the Pennsylvania Department of Education has oversight, but it still comes down to those individual board members in all of our local school districts that you know can have a wide variety from Southeast Delco School District up to you know what we hear about in the news with Central Box.
0: It's this weird situation where the more attention drawn to something, the more you're going what do they call that? The Streisand effect, where you don't want somebody to look at something, but by drawing attention to the fact you don't want to look, everybody now wants to look that didn't care in the first place.
1: Right, exactly. And you just heighten it to a whole new level. You know, think if everyone who's listening to this right now thinks back to their own childhood, those things that we were told, no, don't do that. What's, you know, unless you were extremely terrified of the no, most of us still had that curiosity. It peaked as to why. Why are they telling me no? various things, you know, don't smoke cigarettes. Well, that's pretty obvious, right? Too many of us and those who are trying to quit, they understand, you know, but that lure is still there. Why do we have vaping issues with teenagers? Why do we have other things? Because it gets marketed in a very clever way. And that enticement, right, that that I was told no, and the hallmark of puberty, the hallmark of discovering oneself, every, you know, an armchair psychologist can tell you this, that then it heightens it, right? And now all of a sudden, I want to do this. So cutting that off cuts off intellectual freedom and the freedoms that we all have, not just a certain select group, which is what this feels like, right? Some select groups fearful of what's being brought forward by other groups. And and as a result, let's just knock it down and say it doesn't exist.
0: Specifically, you see this situation in Florida where Governor Ron DeSantis, he's basically engineered this entire kind of conservative takeover uh, of this new college of Florida. Does this seem a, a next level or a, a by a, a factor something new? Or is this also just kind of the Playbook just at a different time with different names in a different place?
1: It's a playbook different time, different place on one level, but it is definitely new because it's an area that most governors tend not to get involved with. They have their chancellors, whatever the title is, you know, for someone that oversees maybe the state colleges or universities for that state. And they're all, for the most part, set up that same way. You know, you have a governor, you have that chancellor, you have the board of education, you have oversight of the universities, you have the college presidents that typically are the ones that, okay, go forth and and we did this. National search, and you're hired, and here this is what you need to do. And then run that university, you know, based on the guidelines that they're supposed to run that university on. Because of those connections, it's a very quick and easy entrance into institutions of higher ed in Florida. It, you know, so it's not, he didn't have to recreate the structure, the hierarchy there to be able to do this. And instead, here's a perfect landscape to then use as a puppet, as a tool to promote certain agendas that, you know, he and maybe others want to promote. The concept of the history that comes out of that college about American history, it's the fear for some reason that by bringing forward any negatives that happen in American history, that I don't I don't know. I, I haven't seen any downside to people knowing that, you know, the first Thanksgiving didn't happen the way that we in mythology myth, you know, do. And all Americans, many Americans I know of all various political ideologies still gather up a Thanksgiving meal. But you know, everyone's like, oh yeah, you know, well, those. Decorations are definitely not the way that played out, but we still celebrate it, right? It's the what that holiday is about, as opposed to the myth around what that holiday is.
0: We need to take a break. We will have more with Cabrini University's Dr. Thomas Conway right after this. This is KYW News Radio in depth. We are back on KYW News Radio in depth, continuing our conversation with Dr. Thomas Conway of Cabrini University. How much pressure do these culture wars being injected into the day to day of education affect teachers? Well, it is definitely
1: stressful. And right now, coming up, uh, one of the National Association Association for Teacher Educators is having their conference in Jacksonville, Florida, coming up at the end of the month in March, which I'll be attending. And a number of our colleagues that teach at various Florida institutions have shared with us in planning meetings for the upcoming conference about the day-to-day feeling on the ground for teachers. And the feeling is that stress. What if I get fired? What if I say something that I unintentionally did not mean and is interpreted the wrong way? Kick goes home and says, I said X, but I really didn't say X. I was really trying to teach them the math curriculum. Right. And, it, you know, and and our attention span at sometimes kids K through 20, right? All the various grade levels you have, you you cue in, you hear something a teacher says, and might be out of context. To even to the point they were sharing how in some classrooms in a number of districts, if they have a classroom library of books you know, to promote reading, like here are books, read, 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 because that's how you get better at reading. They have to use sheets of paper that covers over those bookcases. So that way a student can even see the binding of a book with a title and wonder what it is you know, that to me is a level of ridiculousness that makes no sense. And, and just once again, goes back to something we were talking about earlier, it just heightens, it peaks the curiosity in a way that doesn't need to be. I bet you that child sitting next to that bookcase probably doesn't even, never even paid any mind to the books on that bookcase. And now all of a sudden it's like, Ooh, what's behind the closed curtains? You know, is that the wizard of Oz behind that curtain over there, you know, like in the wizard of Oz with Dorothy, you know, and, and then you pull it behind and it's, Not that big of a deal, but it's a big deal because the adults in the room who are not in the room, who are not in the classroom every day, are putting this level of stress that you do see in articles coming out of Florida about teachers, that teachers are just leaving. So it's exasperating the crisis of the teacher shortage that already was existing in all all states across the United States. Um, in particular, teachers are like, I, I'm not dealing with this anymore. I love teaching first graders how to read, right? How to start the building blocks to reading. But if I'm going to be fired because I say some random sentence after 20 years, I'd rather
0: retire now. The long term effect is, to your point, school districts probably hundreds of teachers that have just gone through the exact same thing you just talked about there where you know what i love this i've loved being here but ah you know what no it's just not worth it and we're already having problems finding teachers there are real long-term costs to this past you know just the the immediate concerns about books and stuff like that no
1: yeah of course if you look back you know For example, one of the groups that just had their conference, CPAC, Conservative Political Action Committee, you know, if you look on their website, you know, they promote, we stand for, we believe in capitalism. Well, the hallmark of capitalism is having an educated workforce. And if your workforce is not educated by trained professionals, you know, their first years of teaching maybe made some errors, but then get better, they get mentored, and they are the teachers, right? You think back to the teachers you love. You are who you are because they gave you those critical thinking skills, the things to navigate life that we just forget about, right? We forget that at one point in time, we went through uh, that growth cycle. But, you know, as adults, unfortunately, they forget that. And as a result, you know, by doing that, that just creates a situation where, okay, we want to compete in this global market, this economics. Let's bring it back to just the plain old American dollar. How are you going to have then individuals that you can hire from the current generation children for your future businesses or your current businesses that really don't have those strong building blocks, those strong skill sets that we desire as a nation to exist. But a democracy is only as good as an educated citizenship and educated on all issues on all sides. And by trying to, silence various sides that's a problem in a democracy
0: how about for administrations because they obviously have to answer to the teachers to the students to the parents but they also are responsible for making sure things are funded and where does a lot of that funding come from it comes from governments and if governments are playing these games and holding the funding over the head that's a very difficult road to navigate now
1: Oh, yeah, very much so. And the interesting thing is, you you mentioned funding, because, you know, we have a Department of Education, National Department of Education, you have your state departments of education or whatever title they go by, and then you keep going down the line. In Pennsylvania, school funding, as we've heard in the news recently, they say is inherently unequal you know, and, and problematic. If I'm born in Yadin or Darby, Delaware County, I, I I'm going to have a potentially different experience than if I'm in Rose Tree Media or if I'm in Radnor, based on school funding, taxing, everything that goes into that here in Pennsylvania. In Florida, one of the things at Cabrini University that we did for a while pre-pandemic, but the pandemic shut down these trips, is during spring break, Students would go to Collier County in Florida, which is in Naples. Most people know that Naples, so that area of Florida. We have a number of alumni that accepted the jobs there, and what the students would do would do some field experiences to go out. And one of the big things that they saw were that the students that were in migrant farm communities they had all the same resources as a student sitting in the Naples, in the city of Naples because they do a county-wide funding system, which is very different than what we have up here in the Northeast traditionally. And so that's, it's, I share all that because it's hard to sometimes say holding that over the head of a principal. In some parts of the country that, is very problematic and immediate. But in Pennsylvania, for example, there is a lot of power at the local level still in terms of district versus district and how things play out, depending where you're in the Commonwealth. So the funding and funding streams, you know, it's it's hard to say you hold that over a principal or superintendent's head. A board of education may, and that's why Board of Education as you know, an elected position is an important election that many of us tend to ignore until recent times, because people tend to run for those positions. Sometimes they run for them because they're angry that their child to get into an honors program, or they're angry about some other issue, and, and I'm going to run for the school board. And then others run in good faith, right? They want to do well by children in their community, so they run for the school board. So, Knowing who those school board members are, are very important when it comes to issues like this that we're currently dealing with in what we're calling culture battles or culture wars.
0: Really, with a lot of this, it's the kids who lose out educationally, socially, emotionally and everything.
1: That parent-educator relationship is so important. It's one of the things that we hit home in education preparation programs. And that's one of the hallmarks of education. it, the parental right, right? The home, you know, and that parent having that decision of, of what's happening for their child. Case in point, I'll bring up, you know, for a school where I was administrator and the Spanish teacher was having celebrations for the days of the dead, which is very important in Spanish culture, Spanish language. And there was a family that are were very devout. Jehovah Witnesses that tend to not celebrate birthdays, celebrate acknowledgments of that nature. And so an alternative culture assignment came up and and there's two students, one of them stayed home and the other one went to the library and did some research uh, when that was happening because the parent had asked for that and we agreed to allow for that, right? But we did explain to the parent why that was a part of there. We weren't trying to teach religion per se, but for cultures where religion is intertwined with language and culture of that nature, you know, that's usually a hallmark or very important part of a Spanish language course. To end that thought or this, you know, to this question, to this point, is that relationship of home and school has always been important and continues to be important. And it's really these bad faith actors that you're bringing up who, if you just scratch the surface, I bet you that many of them do not even have students that are part of that school or even in that district you know there are articles that point out how there are national organizations that will just drop in you know try to detonate a bomb in a local area
0: and they don't even live in the state where they're attempting to create these issues for that local community that's it for this episode of kyw news radio in depth You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.